Hello and welcome to the Avunque Siamo Meatball and Spaghetti Podcast. This is Mike Fiorito, your host. Today we're talking to poet Janine Certo. Janine is the author of three books, Elixir, which is soon to be released October 12th, published by Bordighera Press. It's the winner of the New American Poetry Prize and the Loria Frasca Poetry Prize. She's also the author of two other books, In the Corner of the Living, and Children Writing Poems, Poetic Voices in and Out of School. Janine has also been a featured poet in Italian Americana. She is currently an associate professor of poetry and a teacher of education at Michigan State University. Please welcome Janine Certo. So, so great to talk to you. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, to talk with me today on the Vunque Siamo Meatball and Spaghetti Podcast. How are you today? I'm really great, Mike. I'm really looking forward to this. This is really a huge honor, and um, I'm I'm great. You know, I it's it's Sunday. There's pasta sauce that's thawing. <laughs> There's a box of spaghetti on the counter. I mean, I'm sorry to like throw those tropes right out there right now, but you know, um, well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I think we were just I'm, talking about how we met and uh, or how we've known each other. And I have to say that I've where I know we were at the the uh, uh, conference in Houston and we were sort of in different little bit uh, worlds at that time. But I've I think that I've slowly gotten to know you really through your poetry, through, I believe, Ovunque Siamo. And then just the, the huge network of people that we all have in common. And I've just gotten to know you through your words and just seeing those great poems and, uh, you know, following and reading. And you're probably saying, who's this Mike Fiorito guy liking my poems and saying these comments? <laughs> but they were they really struck me as uh, as just unique. Um, very, you cover so much topic, uh, topics, so many topics. Um, you know, there's virtually no topic you're not discussing. Uh, and uh, I, I just, I love your use of language. It's, you know, you're in a poem. And, uh, and what I mean to say by that is there's an altar of language. I think Nor Northrop Fry said something about that. There's the altar of the poetic language. And we're in an incantation, in a prayer. There's something, there's unusual words that you use. What, what, what are your thoughts about that? Wow. Well, first of all, that's just a stunning reaction to my work. And, you know, I think I'm just done now. That was just really <laughs> kind and very, very generous. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, you know, an altar of words. I mean, it's really so appropriate, right? I mean, I have, I have a poem in my in my latest collection elixir um which is called home altar in the year of a pandemic mm -hmm. and um yeah but i, I you know i want to circle back too to to uh, because i agree with you you know how we met at um you know we, we really met online and that was only because at the italian american studies association conference in in houston pre-pandemic after my reading, there were like three or four people that came up and said, you know, have you met Mike Fiorito? You know, there's, you have a lot in common in terms, you know, topically what you're writing about, although they're different genres. 
Yes. And then, um, yeah, so I first read, you know, Call Me Guido, and then most recently I read You're Falling from Trees and, and Sleeping with Fishes, and, and yeah, I mean, the intertextual connections are amazing. You know, you and I probably could pair our poems and stories together um, to kind of show, you know, just like, you know, similarities of threads between Italian, Amer- you know, an Italian American experience in, in Brooklyn and an Italian American experience in Pittsburgh. And I just think that's really cool. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah. I mean, at some point we'll meet face to face, but it's, but it's really strange. You know, I feel like, um, you know, with Avonke Siamo and just, you know, with the pandemic, people are forging these friendships and communities online and they're, I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for them. Even if they're virtual, I, I, in some ways, I really don't see a difference. Yeah. And and in a um, way the reach is even farther because we don't have to go see each other. We can, we can connect. And I think Avunque has been an amazing platform to make those connections. Uh, It's, it's been incredible for me to, to make acquaintance with people like you and other great writers that I just wouldn't have known. We just would have been, for all the terrible things we can say about Facebook, it does connect people on a common interest. And it, there, there can be great value for that too. Um, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely, you know, I, yeah. I look at some of your poems and I, and I really relate to uh, the sentiment like my happy place and you know, where you go with uh, uh, you know, like the darkness of, uh, of your, your ancestors, as you call them. And, uh, and, and just kind of the pain. I could relate to that poem in particular. And there's, some, there's definitely a lot of commonality in that exploration of our difference and us as in our generation coming to terms with our difference, with who we are and discovering it you know, now in, in, in this context, because I think as Italian Americans, we've, you know, our experience in, in TV and movies and just kind of how we're perceived and how we've negotiated and worked through that is, uh, has been different. I think it's a unique uh, arc. Right. I agree. Are you giving me a segue? Maybe I should read my happy place. I'll, you know, I would love to hear it or whatever poem that you would like to read. Uh, please do. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll, um, yeah, maybe I'll start with my happy place. Subbituminous, dark as land or skin or death, strong when they were called Dago and Wap, strong when the evenings crumbled, news of a miner killed by a fall of roof. A miner killed by a fall of slate at an entry. My great-grandfather killed by a fall at the face of a coal pillar. Another child, my grandparents' baby, dead from diphtheria. My ancestors pitched out a language like a broken tamboro. They hid customs like snails they plucked off the basement wall who'd escaped from the bucket. They quick sucked them dry. My ancestors would rise, running bakeries out of garages, restaurants out of houses, pizza, hand-dipped ricotta, hand-cut cavatelle, meats hanging from the cellar's old pipes. They grew front yard gardens, lemon trees, chicories, peaches big as the fists my grandparents shook when they woke to find their own garden ripped and ruined. They never grew a garden like that again. What was it like to be forced to live in a new land? Was there struggle, defeat, exhilaration. 
I went to the homeland, took a footpath by the sea. I wanted to walk along grapes clustering. I can tell you they tasted like syrup, sun, wet stone, that before I took one from its trailing vine, it trembled. Mm. Very powerful. Uh, and, and, and I can relate to so much in that poem. Uh, and, you know, one thing I think that, that I've, I've found that, that you do that I like a lot is uh, just discovering words. So, you know, subituminous. Did I say it right? Subituminous. Um, and is, is there, is it, do you kind of, uh, are you fascinated by a word and kind of write a poem around it? Or, you know, how does that, how does that work for you? Yeah, great question. I, um, you know, I always sort of go down the, you know, I'm, I'm, as a researcher, I always go down the research rabbit hole. And, you know, I'm an avid reader of, of not only poetry, but also just all sorts of nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I read, you know, when, when I'm writing, I want to make sure I understand the topic, you know, well, well enough to, to, to write a poem. I want to understand you know, the discourse, the vocabulary, the Mm -hmm. nouns and verbs associated with that topic. And so, right. So my, um, my, my, uh, grandfather, um, or excuse me, my great grandfather worked in, in the coal mines, um, when he settled in Howellville, Pennsylvania, he had come from, from Ardore, Calabria, uh, with his wife, uh, Josephine Morendo and their three kids, you know, um, and their, one of their sons was my future grandfather, but, you know, he, like many, he worked in the coal mine. And so, you know, if I'm going to include, you know, sort of small narratives that have been passed down about my great grandfather working in the coal mine, I want to at least understand coal <laughs> more. Mm. And um, yeah, sure. right. So sub, so subituminous is just this great word. And, you know, as it turns out, it's a lesser form of coal. So like bituminous is like the best kind of coal. And then there's subbituminous, which I think is just so fascinating when I find like it's a discovery that this word mm. has a connotation to Southern Italians, right? Sort of a lesser sure. Italian, you know, an immigrant. And and it's just and also, right? I mean, as a poet, you really always nice to have a multisyllabic word, yes. <laughs> you know, thrown in a in a poem there just because I think it gives not not that one sets out to necessarily be purposely you know um you know uh you know intellectual in a poem but 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 it's but it's a beautiful word too subbituminous you know it, it it like rhymes with luminous but but it's yeah. but it's not at all it's 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 a very very dark brown you know lesser coal and um, yes yeah so it just was a cool it, you know it's just like yeah, and it, it just it's it a needed beautiful, to be the first word. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's an interesting word. It really gets your attention. You know, it's sort of like I looked at it and I said, "What's subluma?" And I had to so think think about it. And I looked it up, and that you know that kind of uh, the, the the that helped in the discovery of this poem. And uh, uh, I just thought, and I've seen you use other words uh, that. Uh, that kind of make me stop and think and 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 look up, uh, it, and there's just something kind of uh, special. It's like tolling a bell. You know, you're uh, we're, we're in a poem, 
uh, we're in the magic of the poem. We're caught up in the magic of your language. Um, I, I love the poem, uh, Fennel. Can you talk about that too? Oh, Fennel, sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I had written an article, um, or, or, excuse me, an essay and some poems for, um, for Italian Americana this summer. And, you know, one of the, one of the points that I made in my essay is that, um, you know, my, my experience of Italian Americana is, is very, very food driven. And, mm -hmm. you know, as a, a professor, I don't like cultures to sort of be reduced to their, to food. But the truth of my experience is that my, my childhood and growing up Italian American in Western Pennsylvania, and I grew up in a little town, Elizabeth, um, on the Monongahela River close to Pittsburgh. I mean, my family constantly talked about food, particularly mm -hmm. my father. And even whenever friends would come over and visit, they would be like, what is up with your family? Like, is that all they talk about is food? And so obviously food is, food is, well, I'm very passionate about food. I think, mm -hmm. you know, food from the garden is, is just worthy of, of poems. And so, yeah, I think I all, you know, one always wants to write about their, their passions. Right. And I love, you know, the truth is I just really love fennel. I eat fennel every way. <laughs> raw braised I mean you know it's just it's the vegetable that I always pick up and I um I remember reading um one of Jerry Lefemina's collections and he he also writes really I mean he's really skilled with his food poems and he had a, a poem called pineapple and I remember when I read that I'm like you know I I need to write my food poems too um, because he just did it so well. And it was a love poem, actually. You know, this, the poem is about pineapple, but it was also, it, you know, literally about pineapple, but the, sec the association right. was, was that it was a love poem. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's really how fennel came about. So let me, let me read, read that poem. Um, yeah, and it's a short poem, too. Yes, it is a short poem. Fennel. Arm of an ossified angel found among the root families. That perennial note, you were on the wild side, hard at the core, a verdant taste with a venture of licorice. Prometheus, in his boldness and intelligence, scaled a mountain and lifted a stalk to light a flame from the gods, which makes me think remedy, which makes me think raw, a mandolin ski slope, the bright flowers you bring, kiss of oil and citrus, delicate fronds, sometimes shaves of Parmesan, then a baked frittata primavera, followed by a slow roast chicken with shallots. How they said you'd be good together. How the braised become silky, near melted. <laughs> that's that's a that's a great poem. I love it. And and you know I think. It's funny because I've written about food too, and I was—I would say I approached it with some trepidation. You know, what do I know about food? Is kind of how, where I was coming from. But then I—I I just found that, you know, uh, w with food, you know, it contains so much memory. It contains so so much history, personal, universal, and you know, it, it can transcend the kind of the you know 
the meatball and spaghetti, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, silo that maybe people put Italian Americans in. Um, right. But this this poem is is so epic. You know, it just the language is so epic and it takes us on a on a great journey. But it's also very personal. Um, I just got a uh, I bought a pound in, in uh, of fennel sausages just yesterday. So I haven't had them yet. Yeah, inspired your poem there. Well, you know, I, are they thawed? I think maybe you should fry them up tonight, you know, pronto. I was going to, um, we're going to definitely throw them in. There's, there's no doubt. You know, one of my favorite pasta dishes actually has, has a lot of fennel. It's, it's a Lydia, Lydia Bastianich dish and it has um, sausage and fennel and um, what else is in there? I think, I think it's arugula. Oh my goodness. It's just, that combination is so fabulous. Of course, lots of Parmesan cheese. But um, yes. thank you. That's that's yeah. really very very kind. Yeah, food definitely plays into my and it does in your work too, right? I mean, you've written. Oh yeah, it's there. I mean, and and I was afraid. I was afraid to write about it. I felt like, what authority do I have? But when I got an assignment to write about a initially a restaurant, and what the editor said is, just focus on the story. Don't you, you don't have to be a food expert. So then I kind of dropped that that need to have to go down that road and to just play with memory and to play with the story and that kind of thing. Um, but obviously you write so much more than that. Uh, you, you can be, you know, there's a lot of heaviness too, a lot of uh, uh, deep exploration. You know, that first poem, I think it's the first poem, uh, Drag Heavy Pot to Shed. Yes. That's a, that's a, a real, you know, I read through it a few times and there's a lot of uh, deep and intense emotion and things that you're revealing. Is there anything you want to say about that poem? Uh, well, thank you so much. I, uh, I, I, I would love to read that poem. Um, sure. I, um, yeah, I, and, and I think it, it, for two reasons. One, that poem, it's an Ars Poetica, so it reveals my own perspectives and biases about the art of writing poetry and, and, and also what, what is, what is a poem. Um, but secondarily, it also, many of the things that I mention in this poem are threads throughout, throughout the collection. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, drag heavy pot to shed. Squint at the barred owl then race down the steep hill of your childhood. You lost the dog that found your grandmother who drank a bottle of rubbing alcohol. Shake her 10 times. Prepare a fine cheese, sliced peach, hazelnuts. Drizzle with honey. Slide it under the bed to the monster. Hear the crack in a mother's voice who says it would be so easy to go down to the garage, turn the ignition on. What will you do with all this moonlight on the pond at once galaxy scattered photons, shards of glass? If you want truth, see how the Pope's Swiss guard curses at tourists, throws stones at pigeons in the square. Play a game of chase the trees for leaves like wine in a human heart, darker than the blood it pumps, 
the beating silence in those hours cleaning after they took away your father's body. I tell you, we cannot say love enough times. The vacuum's defective, so it sings. Right until the sage and fir candle kills the smell of the wall's rotting mouth. Look over your shoulder for the child you never had, the sibling you left in the front yard, the dog returning bread in her mouth. Revisit title. Now your words are the loose parts of a rocking chair, the longing for meadow, some ground of consciousness, what the philosopher called the dialectic of inside outside. And when you're close, smear the shapes of ghosts, draw grief a warm bath. Lately, there is little spring or fall, but keep the large bright mum in its pot until the flowers are dull, their necks broken. That is a very, very strong poem. Uh, and to open the, the collection with, uh, just just incredible. And there's, there's so much uh, uh, daring things that you're talking about here, if I'm getting it right, uh, turn the ignition on. It's kind of uh, pretty intense, uh, and and I and I and I love the way you you kind of explore memory, explore childhood memories, but none of this is cliche. All of it is you know just uh, uniquely said uh, and powerful. Uh, it's just it's a great poem. It's a great poem. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. The uh, you know. Um... Elixir, um, and I want to make sure that I, I take a moment to, to really just thank um, to thank David Bowen at New American Press and to thank Nick Grosso at Bordeguera Press because they, they were my two editors and they just did a phenomenal job um, with editing and with cheering me on. And um, yeah, and, you know, I, 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 I just I want to make sure I mention that. But you know, a big part of Elixir, you had mentioned the heaviness of, you know, you know, turning the ignition on, you know, hear the crack mm. in a mother's voice who says it would be so easy to go down to the garage, turn the ignition on. You know, a lot of this book is my, my conception of, of home, home as landscape, um, home as, you know, as told, you know, from my ancestors, home as country, home as, as, as a physical structure. Um, but a lot of it is about my father's, you know, 20 year, uh, actually more like 27 year illness uh, with severe peripheral neuropathy, but also grappling with my mother as caregiver. And mm. so, you know, I think that the, the, the elixir, you know, there are many elixirs here. There are elixirs that you know, that, 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 that we, that we swim in, you know, waters that, 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 that we, you know, my ancestors swam in off the coast of Italy and, you know, mm. waters I'm, I'm swimming in now, you know, living near, um, near many lakes in Michigan and, and then elixirs that are literal or metaphorical that could, um, cure disease or, or, or reduce pain and, mm. um, yeah, and, and and then of course beauty too, right? I mean, a, a lot of these poems, you know, they're my grandfather. My my grandfather made wine, and so there are poems of wine, and you know, even the fennel, you know, becoming melted is is an elixir. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I I just appreciate your your reading of that Ars Poetica I, and your and your feedback. 
Oh, it's beautiful. And and I and I do love have you read and if you haven't, it, Italian Love Cake uh, by Gail Rotano. And I don't so know she, it. It's it's excellent. It's out by Bordigera. And uh, I read it a few months ago when it first came out. But she talks about so there's, you know, without you know, telling the whole story, there's a lot of magic in the use of kind of uh, of of folk, I would say, like medicine and folk herbs and how those things are curative and have magical properties. So you've you've hit on something, uh, you know, that that is, you know, is is I think people are exploring and thinking about. Uh, so so that I, I love that aspect of uh, and I do see that threaded throughout all of the work. But again, you know, you 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 are not content to stay in one topic. I mean, after rescue rescuing the dying butterfly from my sidewalk, <laughs> it's a very, very, you know, unusual exploration of uh, of of just this that topic. Uh, and I, I think, it, you know, it's it's you know, it's interesting. What what made you write that poem? What what, what was the inspiration? <laughs> right. Right. So after rescuing the dying butterfly from a sidewalk, I decided that that was going to be the first poem in the first section of the book. Um, I, I, I had read a lot of uh, a lot of book books on how to order your your collection. And sometimes mm. they said, you know, just start sort of start with beauty. So, yeah, so mm. I really I was I, I'm a runner. So I was running with my dog Maddox. This isn't in the poem. But actually, I was coming home from my run with my dog in front of my house, and there was a monarch, and Maddox, my lab mix, hit it with its paw and actually ripped its wing. And so mm. the butterfly was immobile, right? And so, you know, feeling responsible, <laughs> you know, I mean... Yeah, I have a weird thing with animals. I mean, my day is pretty much shot if I see a, like a dying animal, like just wipe out an hour and a half from my, you know, from my day because I just I have to figure out, you know, what to do. Um, so yeah, so so I wrote that poem because I really did bring the dying butterfly into my house. I called the Wildlife Re Rehabilitation Center that was local, and they basically said, you know we don't take butterflies. They're going to die soon, which of right. course, right. Um, but still I just thought it was worth a try. And so I went on YouTube and I figured out how to repair a, a, a butterfly that was immobile because one of its wings was, was ripped and injured. And so that's how this poem came about. And I'll just, would you like, like me to read it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love that. Okay. After rescuing the dying butterfly from my sidewalk, the woman at the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center put me on hold, came back to say, don't bother. It would be dead in two to six weeks. I picked it out of the shoebox, head, thorax, and abdomen tilted over, a sailboat with a torn jib. I gently pinched its wings, trimmed the black margins until both wings were even sized. I clipped paper the size of the damaged spot, dabbed glue on the repair site, and considered my foolish stubbornness as I applied powder, its legs still kicking. In the garden beds, my monarch slipped down a stick, labored to open its new wings, and just when I thought the effort failed, it flew away. How short of a life would it take to matter? 
How many of us travel roads before rigs shift gears surrounding us like barricades with their diesel and cargo? Or keep away from water for the scratch of blood coral, the brush of a ray? We board up windows to stave off hurricanes that tumble at us like hay bales or avoid the atmosphere unexplored, never booking the morning's first flight. I want to know the symmetry of a monarch, how it enjoys this sweet, bright life full of heartbeat and memory, as if there would always be milkweed and an infinite variety of flowers. Just beautiful. So it's real, thank you so much. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, um, you know, I, I realize when I think, you know, you had asked me what made you write this poem. And so yeah, which is, there was an event. Kind of, I realized that could be a kind of silly question, but at the same time, just curious uh, because we're no. all inspired by everything all the time, everywhere. No, I don't think it's a silly question whatsoever, but you're actually making me realize there was the event that happened, right? And so, you know, there's like this layer of, okay, well, this is something interesting that happened. You know, you, you want to sort of document it. But I also mm -hmm. realized at the time, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't save my father. I couldn't change the conditions of my father and my mother being caregiver. But like I could, I could fix this butterfly. This is what I could do. Um, and, and I, you know, and so, at, at, you know, at that time, I know that that was a force that was driving me to explore this this poem but but i think too the poem has a has a turn in it and i thank the poet um sarah freely who told me that there was a draft of this poem that was about half the size and she's and, and she gave me such great feedback she said you know janine you you didn't quite earn this poem yet i think you need to i think you need to explore like what's at stake here and mm. you, you have this question, how short of a life would it take to matter? And I think you need to make, make some kind of turn there. And so I think, I think as my, myself and my own interior, I was also exploring my own anxieties too, my anxieties mm. that, that, that I have about, about death. Just like, I'm really, really afraid to try. I'm not anymore, but I was afraid to travel like on interstates with all the trucks and I would just get up really early. So I would avoid, you know, that nightmare. Mm. Um, for a while, I was just afraid of, of like water, you know, like large bodies of water. Um, and like I had written, if you, if you know my, my work, I've written about my fear of flying, which I've overcome. But, um, you know, I, I read that most most uh, airplane accidents take place with the morning's first flight, right? Because you don't know, right? I mean, like, obviously, if the plane's functioning, you know, pr right. pretty well on the first flight, it's going to be okay on subsequent flights. But, um, you know, it was, it was just sort of an interesting way, I think, for me to kind of say, all right, this butterfly, you know, this butterfly sort of probably, you know, I don't know how short of a life would take to matter. Obviously the butterfly has some sort of, you know, sense of, of taking and enjoying and um, it's freedom as short as it is. And so I think, I think Sarah's push for me to actually, um, you know, explore some anxieties there and then to, to, mm -hmm. to really appreciate this monarch who has this symmetry and is so free and, 
um, you know, enjoying its own life uh, with, with, with reckless abandon, I think is sort of another layer in, in, in the poem that um, was, an, was a surprise for me, frankly. Yeah, and I, I think her advice was really, was very good advice because we kind of, you know, we're, we're with this, this, uh, this butterfly that's fated to die, it seems. And then you take us down this kind of, with, you know, hurricanes and all the things that can go wrong in life, kind of. And then we, you know, we're sort of set free into this kind of beautiful image of, uh, you know, uh, what I see is sort of a butterfly flying away into an infinite variety of flowers. So it, it is, it's a kind of resurrection, really, uh, yeah. is, is the way I, I read that poem, uh, a great poem. And I, I should have said, by the way, congratulations on your, uh, you've won a few prizes, and that's incredible. Uh, the, if I have this right, I don't, there's the New American Poetry Prize and the Loria Frasca Poetry Prize. So congratulations, that's amazing. It is amazing. It, believe me, a, a huge surprise to me. I never dreamed such a thing. Um, uh, yeah, I, I want to make sure I thank the uh, I, I won the New American Poetry Prize and Corey Van Landingham um, was the judge. And um, boy, I love her work. Um, she she wrote Antidote, um, and uh, it, it's interesting. There's uh, she you might really like that poetry collection, Mike, because reading your Falling from Trees, you really like you know, magical realism. And mm -hmm. you, you know, you're, I think a lot of the, a lot of the stories in Falling from Trees, I would describe as, as surrealist. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you would use that term, but anyway, Corey in, in, in Antidote, those are, those are surrealist poems and she's just, she's remarkable. So to have uh, someone I admire so much, select my book sort of blew me away, but then you know, Maria Terone is, I mean, I, I know all of her work and she is just, I, I just, I just cannot say enough about her poems. They, every single one of them just blow me away. And she's such a fantastic essayist too. And so when I found out that she had selected um, Elixir for the Loria Frasca Poetry Prize, you know, it was interesting because she had selected that book under a different name. It was because, you know, these manuscripts, they're, you know, they're held for many, many months. Right. And when it my works. manuscript was out there, it, it had, my manuscript had like three different titles. And I'm sure that's common with a lot of poets. You know, you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had three different titles. So it was Home Altar. And she selected that. And it was just a day before or two days before that. Um, I found out I won the new American poetry prize. And so the two of them, I guess the two, the two presses both really wanted to co-publish my book. They, they were really mm -hmm. adamant about it. And, um, I was really, I feel, I feel really just so deeply grateful. I will always be grateful to, mm -hmm. to, to the editors and, and, and to the judges truly. Um, it's more than I could have asked for, you know, I just like my poems to be in the world and, Right. So this is certainly just icing on the cake, if you will. Well, it, you know, we're we're uh, grateful and and uh, and delighted to have your poems in the world. And you know, there's so many great uh, poets that are in our midst. Uh, you know, uh, Michelle Real Messina. I love her work. Uh, 
uh, Jennifer Martelli, and you know I, I could go on. Uh, and of course, out, outside of the, the poetry, you know, there's uh, uh, you know Eddie Lanzalato, uh, Eddie Junta. There's just so many great, uh, so many great Italian American writers, poets, prose writers, storytellers, and. Uh, we're living in a great time of of this profusion, and uh, you know what I'd like to see is 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 uh, our work being read in a more mainstream way. But you know that time will come. That time will come. We'll yeah, get our turn. I yeah, for sure. And and right. I mean, I certainly see that coming. I mean, right. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, Michelle's work. I mean, Michelle. I mean, her her. Pro, I mean, she is the pros. You know poem queen i mean really just i mar i marvel because it's just not quite a uh, a subgenre of poetry that, that that i do well and and you know jen martelli you know she's got great poems you know, yeah she, she well yeah her, like her poem yeah. um is it moon jelly that was in poetry i mean so she you know she, there are definitely the italian you know american women poets they are they are being read on a on a national scale and, and widely, and it's super exciting to see. Um, and yes, yeah, I mean, really the, you know, the women are just, you know, Jennifer Milatello is just, you know, phenomenal. Um, you know, I just, she's just a linguistic wonder. And of course, as I said, Maria Terone, um, uh, you know, uh, so I agree with you. I agree yeah, with and, you. And, and, you know, Marianne Leone and, you know, of course, uh, Joey Nicoletti and George Guide. I mean, the list goes on. There's just great, uh, uh, some great writing. And, and I'm really looking forward to these things, uh, you know, hitting the, the New York Times uh, bestseller and, and being read by everyone uh, and, and just having their place among, you know, uh, among the the literatures that are uh, that are being read in a, in a mainstream way, uh, but I, I do feel like the we're, we've gotten to that point where um, our writing is 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 going to get that that attention. Uh, yeah, yeah. But tell us tell us about Elixir because I know it's coming soon, and I want people to 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 read it. They have to go out. They have to get it. And if you could tell us about how they could find it, where they could find it, so that people could read uh, as soon as they can get their hands on it. Right, great. No, thank you. Sure. So the book birthday is um, October 12th, which I was really excited to learn that um, your book, The Hated Ones, the birthday is also October 12th. So we'll, we'll both have to just Yay. raise a we'll glass, a virtual cake. glass together or something, right? <laughs> yes. So you can obviously get it from, from Bordigera Press. Um, you can get it from small press distribution. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes & Noble. It, obviously, it's just for pre-order right now. Um, but yes, I just, I would appreciate, you know, any, any readership, you know, whatsoever. And then I'll be doing some readings right now. So the book birthday is October 12th. So the, I'm doing a launch in Pittsburgh, PA. October 21st, because that just sort of feels good to me. That's where a lot of these poems originated. And mm. I'm going to have a little party with, with my family afterwards. Um, I hope to be reading at the Italian American Studies Association with, um, you mentioned George Gaida. He's a huge influence on my poems. I, I would say George Gaida, the, the, that poem, The Happy Place, I, I would really attribute 
George's poems to my sort of letting go and writing some of those, um, you know, narrative Italian uh, American poems. Uh, and yes. also I, I'm going to read with Joey Nicoletti and, and Jen Martelli. So hopefully oh, cool. that conference will take place in, in New York and it'd be nice. It was, it could actually be in person, but one doesn't, one never knows. Um, yes. And then and I, I am. Yeah, I, go I, ahead. Oh, I reviewed Zen of uh, Pop for Obunque, and I, it just great. Uh, George got his book. Really funny, uh, unique kind of reflections on musicians and songwriters. And it, it's, it's, it's a great, great collection of poems. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I read it. I read it. I read Zen of Pop. I mean, I devoured it. I devoured it in one, in one sitting, right? I mean, come on, Barry Manilow. Yeah, yeah, poem. yeah. Thank right. you. Thank you. <laughs> Barry Manilow just like echoed all through my home, you know, right. growing up. Um, so Mother yeah, explains and then the I lyrics. Had... That last one, right. Mother explains lyrics. That was hysterical, brilliant. So I mean, just great. So good. George just teaches us, reminds us that humor is is epistemological. But but you know, his poems his poems travel a, a lot a lot like um, Matthew Oldman's in that you know they have humor, but they go they go to very very quiet dark places too and i i really love i really love that that ride yeah. within a single poem um yeah and then of course i'm i'm doing a local reading in november at at, at michigan state university and then i hope to to read in in lucca italy at um the italian american studies association conference in lucca with um john domini marco raffaella and uh jennifer militello um where we we're we're gonna. Our presentation is about Italian American writers grappling with the diaspora, and so we're gonna mm -hmm. be reading. What we're all different, um, all yes. different genres. Um, so you know, right? That's been that conference has been postponed, and so hopefully, hopefully next summer we'll be looking really differently. Well, that that's that's great. I I think um, uh, I I can't wait to get my physical copy. Um, but uh, it's really been great having uh, this conversation with you, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more. I think we all are. Keep writing for us, and um, we are going to be seeing each other, and you know, as we go about our business, and uh, hopefully, I get to meet you in person so sooner than later. I really look over. forward. <laughs> I really ends. look forward to that, Mike. I really do, and I just. I, I just I, I want to thank you so much, not only for for this invitation, which is really such an honor and, and really a pleasure and so much fun, but um, just what just what you do, you know, I think you're offering like this intellectual and creative archival gift to to our community and to and to the larger world. And I know how much work it is. And now that I you know, I've listened to many of your podcasts, but now actually participating in one, I see behind the scenes how <laughs> how kind and attentive you are to guests. And I just hope people understand how much work is involved here and, and you know, that you do your, your work at such a high level. And I, I just really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And it's really, for me, such an honor. Really, I, I say that because the people I've talked to, basically you become my mentor. You know all of the folks that I've talked to and friend as well. So it's it's a great honor. I try to keep it fun and you know uh, keep it real. Uh, so thank you again, and uh, 
we are looking forward October 12th, but you can pre-order now, uh, get Elixir. I, it's available wherever books are sold. And I'll include that in the publishing of the podcast, where to get it. Thank you again, uh, Janine, and we will talk very soon. Thank you so much, Mike. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye.